Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show Group Chat is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to use is promo code RINGERNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. What's up, everyone? This is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. If you're listening to this on Thursday, what you're about to hear is a live broadcast of a show we did last night after the TNT triple header. We're going to be doing more of these Wednesday night live shows as we go forward, so check for group chat late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Keep your eyes peeled for these throughout the playoffs. On this show, we talked a lot about Donovan Mitchell. We talked a lot about the Pelicans and how real they are. We talked a lot about the Blazers and what frauds they are. We talked about Mello, and we talked about who should coach the Knicks because you, you can't leave the Knicks alone. Without further ado, it's group chat. Basketball is very good. OKC would make the finals in the East. Ben Simmons doesn't need a jumper. Terry Rozier is more clutch than Kyrie. Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to NBA Group Chat Live the podcast for the eye test. I'm joined as always by Justin Verrier, and today we have two special guests, Kevin O'Connor and Jason Concepcion. Let's go. It's the playoffs. Every possession matters, Justin. <laughs> Don't forget about our friends in the back here. What's up? Paolo's back here. He's gonna be hitting us up with some social right. questions. Keith's back there. Mining mining Bitcoin. Keith's mining Bitcoins. <laughs> it's been a long night with this, with this Houston-Minnesota game. We've been kind of, we've been mining our own Bitcoins, trying yeah. to get through it. Uh, that series is over, by the way, um, and we're going to get to that. But first, we want to get to the big game of the night. And I don't know if you would even call it a surprise at this point that Utah was able to pick one off in Oklahoma City, but we were, we've basically been kicking this around for a while now. Is Donovan Mitchell at this point more valuable than the OKC3? <laughs> playoff P, playoff Mellow, playoff oh, Russ. Playoff uh, Mello. Mitchell ends the night with 28-6 and six, for what it's worth. I thought Russ was more efficient than Mitchell, but I guess hmm. the narrative machine is going to say what it's <laughs> going right. to say. Hmm. Guys, what did you think of Utah's performance tonight, Justin? You know, what did you think? Were you surprised that they were able to get one and that they're going to go back to Utah with a split? No, I mean, a lot of these teams in the bottom half of the West are just really evenly matched. We yeah. look at like even the Blazers and the Pelicans, we say, what a surprise that the Pelicans are up 2-0 in that series. But a lot of these teams are like, what, one game apart, yeah. if that? Uh, and I think you saw that here. Steven Adams has a little bit of an injury, and all of a sudden... Yeah. Uh, the, the Jazz are just able to take advantage. Mitchell was great, and so was like Gobert. Yeah, the uh, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook were 0 for 14 in the fourth quarter. That's tough. Yeah, that's from Fred Katz. Uh, the Jazz won 102.95. And, you know, I, Kevin, do you feel like, is home court shakier this season? Is it my imagination? I just, I don't, I'm not like getting the feeling like people are in, these teams are in cauldrons and that well, there's no chance for them to get out. I think these teams are evenly matched right. in yeah. a lot of ways. or it's, it's really strong matchups. So you have a guy like Mitchell who's, granted he's a rookie, uh-huh. but they're putting Paul George on him in that second half and he's still getting buckets, still creating space. So it's like home court, how valuable is it when, you're, when you have great players going against other great players? Mitchell is already one of the game's better players, period. Not just young players in the league. He's someone that gives Utah a chance to win games. So beyond just like the standings are almost equal, you're saying that these specific well, matchups I mean, are actually pretty Yeah, well, like, I mean, like think about the West, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like two games of separation between three and nine. Yeah. So like Portland was a three seed, Yeah. but who cares? Right, like, there right. wasn't much of a difference from every other team. No, it's Houston and Golden State and then it's everybody yes. else. Did you leave this game thinking... OKC just does not have it this year. There's just something wrong with the way Presti put the team together. Or after Robertson's out, 
there's just nothing that they they don't have enough perimeter defense. Yeah, I to just stop they, these guys. they just don't really have the horses to put in a dominating performance. And I think to your point about home court, I also think we're not at the point in the playoffs where like the intensity yeah. has gotten to that level of the, you know the refs letting physicality go and it's getting chippy. So you don't really see that like thing where the crowd is just hanging on every possession yet. Um, but I, I I agree with with Justin and KOC. Like these teams are just evenly matched. They're strong at the same places, and it's just going to be a trading punches situation. In a lot of these series. One thing that's been interesting over the last couple of seasons, especially post Durant with OKC, is that I think when when it was Durant and Westbrook, the scrutiny was on the bottom half of the roster, right? Like the non the non elite players on the yeah. roster, and post Durant. All the scrutiny's on Russ. I think his MVP award, actually, in retrospect, is probably bad for his legacy or for mm. his the way we perceive him. It's like if he hadn't won the MVP, it would have just been an insanely heroic season that didn't ultimately amount to anything. And now this season, it's almost as if he's like defending that MVP award, trying to justify it against Harden, who's now gonna like win this runaway MVP award. But watching this series, I thought Russ actually relatively for Russ played within himself tonight. But we're now way more, we're way harder on those top three guys at OKC than we are on the Jeremy Grants, the Ray Feltons, the Abrinas. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, let me try this takeout on you real quick. Sure. Russell Westbrook, underrated. He's been good in yeah. the back half of the season. And you look at him in these past two games, he's probably their most consistent player. I mean, Paul George had the first game where he went off. He was at 30-whatever in the third quarter, I believe. Yeah. But, like, in this game, wasn't to that level. And Melo, the guy who's taking shots <laughs> as if he were one of those guys, still not good. I don't know if you've heard this, Chris. Carmelo Anthony, not good. <laughs> I, I think to that point, there's, it's fair to criticize those top three guys because they gave up all those good backups for those point. guys. Yep. Yeah. One yeah. of those guys is dominating right now in the playoffs, Victor Oladipo. Right. right? So yes. they exchanged those qual- you know, quality role players for the stars that are supposed to elevate them, and yet they haven't at all. T- Melo especially tonight. <laughs> just really embarrassing. I'm just going to pull you watch. up on this a little bit because this okay. is something you write about so much, which is yeah. just how much context matters to some of these performances. I mean, before we went on, we were talking so much about oh, the Knicks could have had Donovan Mitchell. So-and-so couldn't have Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell might not have been Donovan <laughs> Mitchell sure. if some of the injuries didn't go the way that they went on mm-hmm. and if, if Hayward hadn't left. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Donovan Mitchell was an additive thing that they were going to have this season, and he turns out to be the engine of the Jazz offense. Yeah. I mean, these things change just because of like these little things that we don't even understand. Get this Knicks should have had Donovan Mitchell narrative out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, there's like six to eight other teams that could have taken yeah. him. Like, yeah, like, on, like where do we start with Dennis Smith? Right, and then all of a sudden it's oh, but then wait, he actually is terrible. He's not a good shooter. Let's like push for, him aside. For, for, Donovan Mitchell. For what's worth, we had Mitchell going to the Knicks in, in the Ringer NBA Draft Guide wow. mock drafts. Every mock draft was like, can Donovan Mitchell uh, score at the at the NBA level? Uh, he's got the tool, physical tools <laughs> not, to be not. a defender, but is he a, is he a top level scorer? And now it's like, oh, Donovan Mitchell is we he Dwayne Wade with a jumper? For sure. Right. I never in, knew who he was. In so. context <laughs> matters because like people can say the Hornets if they drafted Mitchell instead of Monk, everything would be different. Yeah. But maybe Mitchell would have been on the bench the entire year and Monk right. would have been the guy having a really good rookie season sure. for Utah. We'll find we out know. next season when those guys we actually wind up playing a little bit. By the way, if you guys want to jump in on the conversation, hashtag Ringer NBA. If you have questions, if you have constructive feedback, comments, any Donovan Mitchell mock drafts you want <laughs> okay. to revisit. Bitcoin any, uh, mining strategies. <laughs> Bitcoin mining strategies. We're trying to get to the bottom of that. Jacob Kennard uh, said, who would you rather have complimenting your star player in the playoffs? Drew in playoff Rondo 
from the Pelicans Ooh. or Mello and Playoff P? Oh, man. <laughs> well, Mello and... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please, 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 please. That's a zero. It's a negative. I, I mean, Melo, I think I saw a stat uh, that someone tweeted that he's nine of his last 41 threes. Man. He has never been a good defender, and now he's physically washed, I think we can say. I, could, I think you could say that, Jason, yes. Um, Paul George, obviously, still an elite perimeter defender. Um, so that kind of cancels each other out. But he's out. not an every night offensive D- uh, offensively dominant on, an, on an every night basis anymore. Just, yeah, he like, just can't do that. If, I think he's a little, he's not streaky, but I just feel like he can have that 30 point playoff P performance and then he can kind of just kind of get swallowed up by the flow of the game. Well, that's kind too. of like the structural weakness of the big three, OKC's big three structure is yeah. Mello is not a big anything. Mm-hmm. Paul <laughs> George is not consistent. <laughs> Paul George is not consistent enough to carry a team offensively on a night to night basis. Yeah. And you know, Russ is Russ, but that's so it's like a big two and a third. And that was the issue with the George and Indiana, too. Yeah. Right? It's not just here when he has two other guys they're trying to lean on. In Indiana, when he was the only guy and theoretically could have been getting 20 plus shots a game, scoring 30 points for a game, yeah. he still didn't take on that load, always left you wanting more with the Pacers. And now he's still, you still need more from him. Yeah. And they don't have City. a point guard. They don't have the Chris Paul point guard who's going to sit back in second yeah. gear for three quarters. Right. And then if they need him, go into overdrive in the fourth. Pal, you have, was there something yes. about playoff P you so, wanted to drop on us? Yeah, so post-game, somebody asked Paul George if he had pressure to perform to his playoff P billing. Uh-huh. And he said, he said, he said, quote, it's not like it's a name I'm trying to live up to. Yes. Then Mello, Mello next to him goes, you can't give it back now. Wow. Mellow. Let's, let's just get a point. I want to break this down for a second. You can't, yeah. You can't disown the name you give yourself. You yourself. cannot. <laughs> no. sure. So Mellow is right. Yes. Second of all, yes. are they taking this loss quite seriously enough <laughs> if they're getting into a semantic debate about <laughs> play, nicknames? Play, uh, playoff P? Who said Playoff P? Did somebody say Playoff P? Shouts, was that me? Hold on. Shouts to Paul George, though, for creating an entire week's worth of news. Yes. Yeah. Just by like calling himself something that nobody else in the world has ever called him. He gave us it. good headlines, for sure. Yeah, We're going to talk more love about the, content. the other games from tonight. We had the Cavs uh, <laughs> tying up the series with the Indy and obviously the Rockets annihilating the Wolves. But I want to also open up the conversation to uh, the playoffs in, in, in whole. So let's talk about winners and losers for the playoffs so far. And Justin, as a, a, a sort of New Orleanian expat, <laughs> spirit of the Treme, just constantly following you around. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Drew Holiday so far? Because he's obviously been a winner. Is he the playoff MVP right now? The front runner for it? Because mm. he's been the best player on the court. The best two-way player in basketball. 100%. Right and yes. like obviously Anthony Davis, just by being there and being so good, opens up a lot for those guys. Yeah. But what he's done, not only on the offensive end, I believe he had 33 points in the last game, which is just incredible for Drew, a guy who has gotten his 20 from time to time, but isn't that that right. level of scorer so often. Yeah. But the defense he's playing basically shutting down Damian against the, he, uh, one at least one of if, if he's not on McCollum, he's on Lillard. You know, they, yeah. it, the two best players on. He's Portland. exposing. It, yeah. And, and it's not yeah. just man to man defense; it's the timeliness yeah. with some of the plays he made. Like in game one, that last minute. Yeah. Some incredible. of the plays he made, the deflection, the block, the, the steal, block is one of the best plays of the playoffs. Unbelievable. They actually did. What I was hoping a couple like Indy would do. I mean, I think Indy did press Cleveland a little bit tonight, but New Orleans, like, they got that first game in Portland and they're like, house money. Like, it's up to Portland to defend home court now. We can get really aggressive, we can get after it. And Portland kind of quaked a little bit. So, I mean, I was wondering when Portland goes to New Orleans, is that going to feel like a 
a road game? Is mm. like a playoff New Orleans crowd going to show up? We'll see. I mean, apparently they've sold out both games, which is surprising. Okay. The, the city has come out <laughs> when they've made the playoffs. In 2015, they came out for that. But they've kind of like been waiting for a team like right. this. I mean, they're hitting a stride at the perfect moment. If they're not going to get excited about this, what are they going to get excited about? This is probably the most exciting team in the freaking NBA right now. Miritich and Rondo hitting Dagger shots yeah. was not something that I was prepared for. So, Kevin, the question I have about the Pelicans, is there a regression coming? Is there a playoff Rondo playing so above <laughs> what we think the level that Rondo is? Like, is there a regression coming? Or, sure. or is this, like, actually an incredible playoff team that we have on our hands and they could even make some noise in the next I round? I think we saw a little bit of that in game one towards the end of that game where it just seemed like they didn't have enough weapons. Portland yeah. started slowing them down at yeah. the end of that game, really making a run, where Holiday's been terrific. You wonder if he can keep that up, which he's never really been that high-volume scorer. Anthony Davis, he is just on another level from everybody else on the, on the court, but it's, it's a lot to ask him to do that for seven games, maybe 10, 12, 13, 14 games if it goes into the second round, yeah. doing that every single night. You need more from other guys, and I, I do wonder if it runs out eventually. On the offensive end, at least, their defense is for real, though. They're playing those guys a lot of minutes, and they're yeah. the type of team. They have to. Yeah. yeah, if they lose one of those guys to an injury, or even for the rest of the game, sure. I think they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Alvin Gentry, shouts to my guy, Alvin Gentry, making great, great performance from him this playoff. The same joke he's been telling for three <laughs> years. I'm not even joking about LeBron being like 65, but he's been out there playing so many minutes. Finally, got someone to laugh at it, but he still makes no sense because. Because it's just giving him an excuse to run his guys into the ground, which might hurt them in games of five, six, yeah. or whatever goes on. Honestly, though, it's so nice to see at least one coach enjoying himself during the playoffs. <laughs> That's true. Like, yes. Instead of him being like, ice! ice! <laughs> here's, here's the minutes per game of, of your New Orleans Pelicans Davis, 40 minutes. Miritich, 39. Rajon Rondo, 39. Drew Holiday, 38.5. Etwan Moore, 29, and then it's 21, 14, 10, 7. Yeah, great, especially in the, in the front I love court. This. I love how it goes from like, can we make sure these guys all have Casper mattresses? <laughs> <laughs> and like really get a lot of like, just like good restorative sleep. And then it's just like, play for me. <laughs> I mean, you have to, I like, you look at this, this roster and it's like, there's no help. Yeah, Check Diallo is their third big. Yeah, yeah. He's a sophomore who's on the come up, but he's yeah. not a guy you want playing heavy playoff picks. Kevin, as a testament to uh, where Davis is in his career right now, we're almost taking his nightly performances for granted. He's oh, for moved sure. into the Harden yeah. LeBron zone of, well, of course he's going to get 35 and 15 and and completely dominate both ends of the yes. court. We expect that. What about Rondo? Yeah. Like, Rondo's amazing. <laughs> like, it almost feels like he's being minimized. This guy is definitely a, a, like, a top four NBA player. For right sure. Now, and right? it, it's like you said, he's putting up the big numbers, Chris, but the defense, his ability to switch yeah. onto Damian Lillard, he had that possession where yeah. he got switched early in the clock and he locked him down for 15 to 20 seconds, just somehow curved his arm over Lillard's entire body yeah. and blocked the shot. It's things like that, the impressive blocks, it's his ability to read the floor and communicate. He's he's a top top level player right now. So in the background here while we're talking, we have uh, the <laughs> Rockets Wolves game on, and it is one hundred to seventy nine as we speak. And I think it is good segue to talk about two of the losers of the playoffs so far, and that is the next generation of Wolves stars, Cat <laughs> and Wiggins. Mm. Really disappointing two first games from them. In a, I know that the odds were long, but. 
to, to come up so empty, you feel like this isn't just like the Rockets game planning them out. This is a real failure of imagination and a failure of execution on their parts. Yeah, I think in the, the good thing about the playoffs is it almost like crystallizes takes in a way. Like, I love crystal <laughs> takes. <laughs> we love those crystal takes. I love crystal takes. <laughs> I have them in my room. Uh, no, but like, you spend 82 games and there's a lot of data to, to really parse through, but it really feels like we've kind of cemented something in these first two games. And what we've found out about Andrew Wiggins, not good. Yes. Not a yeah. good NBA player. And we've said this all season, wondering like, when is the guy that they paid a max, you're going to show up? Right. Not now and Turns not for out, the rest of the when season. when Glenn Taylor was like, I need to look him in the eyes <laughs> yeah. and see if he's ready for this. You should have looked him deeper in the eyes. Maybe you should have had a longer staring contest. <laughs> One day we'll come up with an advanced stat that discovers that Andrew Wiggins is good, but that it won't be today. Well, here's the, here's the thing. So, Pal, do you have a Wolves comment for us or a Wolves question from Social Yeah, Force? so basically somebody was asking, given how bad the Wolves have looked, uh-huh. should the NBA just replace him with the Nuggets right now? Or basically, <laughs> I guess, like, how I would the Nuggets it. have fared? I definitely think so for you guys after two games. Who is the, who is the team that should, they should hit the eject button and oh. fly in the Nuggets for? It's Minnesota because yeah. Yeah. Houston right now with 30 seconds left in this game, almost over, shot below 40% from the field, 31% from three. Harden shot two for 18 and yet Minnesota's still going to lose by 20. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns again, second game in a row, nine shots. Yeah, five Oof. points. That's like, Unbelievable. it's truly troubling. Have, you, it's a have wild. you seen anything from like the way Tibbs, or the way D'Antoni is going after him? I mean, like, I see him stuck on in a corner. Yeah. We're, he's yeah. walking off the floor right now. The face he is making is the face of a guy about to give a very sullen press conference backstage, <laughs> back in the locker room. I, I think that this is really bad for him. He's I, I'm not saying anything negative about him to say that it has been right. whispered about that Cat is very aware of his stat lines, right? I, so five points a game in his first playoff series is not cool. Five points is fine. That happens. No, it Nine, doesn't, dude. That happens. That is, he's first time in the playoffs, it happens. It, it can even happen two games in a row. But nine shots yeah. total for a guy who's that offensively gifted yeah. just cannot happen. Is that a Tibbs problem? Is that Tibbs uh, relying on Jeff Seed? I, don't know. I, th- I think it's a it, it, it's, I, I think it's both it's, of them. It's also on Cat because yeah. he's going to set better screens. Yeah. He's going to really be more aggressive in establishing post position. He's going to do things like that too and demand the ball. Maybe, maybe, right. maybe it's on coaching not enabling him right. to demand the ball. But that's something that's like, you know right. what? Screw it. I'm one of the best big men in basketball. Not, not to be all Shaq, but he <laughs> yeah. does need to like yeah, exactly. be like, hey, get me the ball or I'm going to put your yeah. head through a window. Yes. But at the same time, like who's providing him space down yeah. low? If that's, that's the issue, yeah. like Wiggins, as we mentioned, hasn't stepped up. He's not Butler stretching the floor. Yeah. is like what? 80% of himself. Mm-hmm. And then elsewhere, you have a like Taj Gibson, who's effectively just another big there to just soak up bodies. I, I mean, it's like to your point, Justin, Butler only shot six times tonight. Yeah. They like, yanked like, Jimmy yeah, at a great, certain point. Crazy. He played only 20 25 minutes tonight, but he scored 11 points, three of, I mean, like, just, there's just no juice to this offense. Get Bielitsa Everybody here, out there to spread that floor. <laughs> yeah, stretch three, uh, Nemanja Bielitsa. <laughs> yeah, great, I mean, it's stuff. just tough. It's just, like, also, like, yeah. you know, Wiggins actually did take the most shots tonight. So there is, like, obviously, like, the, the difference between how somebody perceives themselves and how they're actually executing in this series is really off. Um, as far as other winners and losers go, mm-hmm. Should we? Can we just take a second to talk about my my large adult koala, Ben Simmons? <laughs> sure. Do you guys want to talk about him? Yeah. Sure. Even though Love Justice to. Winslow showed a little bit of a cheat sheet on how to handle Ben, which is do not give him thirty five feet of runway <laughs> right, yes. to either 
tomahawk dunk or make a Magic Johnson pass, I think that he, Kevin and I were talking about this. You can see how much farther along he is in his career even than somebody like Wiggins in terms of the oh, poise, yeah. in terms of like if we need a bucket, if we need a play, I'm going to go do it. And also on the defensive end, he's still pretty – he's way better than I thought he was going to be. It's like we were talking about earlier. There was a certain player who just didn't execute a simple play. And Ben Simmons, he never fails to execute plays. Yeah. Whether it's advanced plays, whether it's crazy outlet passes full court, he does it all. Well, and he's un- unbelievable defensively as well across Well, he just – he affects the game in various ways. He rebounds, he scores, he mm-hmm. passes the ball. Wiggins, you know, if he's not scoring – not a noted passer, you know, does not have an eye for the pass, simple pass maybe, like extremely low assist rate, not a rebounder. So what are we talking about here? Yeah, what are we talking about here? Right, yeah, and that's what we've talked about in the past with Wiggins, it's just his idea of a superstar is antiquated because he thinks it's just scoring when a lot of what we see from superstars of today, it's guys who do a little bit of everything. And as Jason was alluding to there, it's just like Ben Simmons had a bad game and he had a 24-point almost triple-double. Yeah, Yeah, I think the one thing that's been a big lesson out of this playoffs is like just the importance of of guys who are comfortable without the ball. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why the Sixers were successful over the second half of the season, especially when MB got hurt. I don't think there's anything to the MB doing theory. Like, I think they'll be <laughs> just fine with MB coming back. But Ben and a bunch of guys who love running around yes. and taking off kilter threes, like right. Bellinelli and Ilyasova and Give JJ. The ball Bellinelli. Yeah, right. That's how you win. I think that, and that's one of the problems you're seeing with OKC. It's one of the problems you're seeing with Minnesota is everybody wants to hold the ball for a little bit and see what's in front of them. Yeah. And then they'll go do something. But that's not, you can't do that with a big three because there's other two other guys who are like, come on, dog, you got to pass that. Right. I mean, the Warriors kind of changed the equation. Like, yes. we learned right. from the big three heat that, like, if you have three superstars and maybe enough around them, you could win titles, you could push teams to the limits. But as we're seeing now, like, the teams that are succeeding are not only having one or two superstars, yeah. you have those guys around them. Right. And, I mean, the stories are coming out lately. Ben Cohen had a really good one in the Wall Street Journal. Like, you need those three-point shooters, especially when your two best players aren't shooting threes. Ben yeah. and, and Joel is an occasional good three-point shooter. All right, so I do want to ask about factor fiction because two games, very small sample size. But here are some things that I want you guys to tell me this is a factor, this is fiction because it's too early, right? NBA factor fiction, uh, LeBron James is still the best insurance policy in basketball. <sighs> I mean, he had to put up 40 and 12, 40-something and 12 tonight to yeah. get a win, but he can do it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, fact. it's, yeah, it's a it's fact. Facts, but here's yeah. the problem with insurance is that if, if it comes in handy, it's because you needed it. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, Jeff mm. Green is still a person on the Cavaliers, yeah. which yeah. is an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Korver was like their big chess move of I, the day. I, I saw a couple of tweets to, to this, speaking to this point, but I made a, a joke or a, a, a bet, actually, a wager earlier, that if Kevin Love was out, mm. that was it for this series. Because I just think that there's... The, the lack of cohesion from this Cavs team that has yeah. been rebuilt twice this year was showing a little bit against a team in the Pacers who obviously have an identity and know where everybody's supposed to be at any given time, have a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. I don't think this Cavs team ever captured the bounce they were supposed to get from Hood, Clarkson, Nance. What do you think? For, for sure they haven't. And, and like we asked this question in the article today uh, about the Cavaliers where yeah. it's like, when, when is having LeBron not enough? Because like you look at the rest of this roster, 
George Hill is a complete shell of his former self. What's up with him? R- Rodney Hood, completely inconsistent, doesn't stay in the floor. He's like Rondo without the memes. <laughs> I, have a th- I have a George Hill theory that I will, that I will put forward after you go. You go. I, I mean, it's like you said, Jeff Green is still on the roster. There's, there's not a lot of juice on that team. Yeah. Uh, my George Hill theory is, one, that he's been washed for several years and that his uh, reputation is primarily a creation of a Zach Lowe Grantland column <laughs> where he was like, you yeah. know who I love? Yeah. George Hill, great yeah. player. When he had that TikTok, the George Hill Kawhi trade yeah. TikTok piece. And I think that is what has created the uh, the modern reputation of George Hill. So here's that another- endures to this day. Reputational problem is that Kevin Love has entered that Anthony Davis <laughs> zone where every time he is like even slightly injured looking, I'm like, that's it. Yeah, he's Bad done. hands. That guy. Bad hands. He keeps freaking hands. hands. The knuckle push-ups probably should that lay was crazy. Off those. One of the least lucky players I've seen in like a long time. Like the Olenek shoulder problem. Yep. Yeah. It looked like he may have he, I, like he jammed a finger, but we thought for a minute he might have either broken mm. his wrist or or broken a thumb today. And it's like he is literally for as much as LeBron is obviously the 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 toll that they're gonna pay to get to the finals. Can't, they can't do it without Kevin Love. He's the only person who seems to know where, where to stand when LeBron's on the floor. For sure. I mean, like that was the risk at the time of the trade. It was like about it's just he had the knee injury in Minnesota, but right. now it's like a long list of things. And for Cleveland, it's always a concern. They have multiple guys on their roster: Hill, Love, yeah. and Rodney Hood. Where durability is a question, um, and that's part of being a skilled player is your availability. And I wonder how how available those guys will be going into June. Underrated X factor: J.R. Smith is washed, and it pains me yes. to say that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's been washed for a while. Yeah, it's, no, but he could still kind of like turn put together. He could turn it on and was still a good like, shooter. Like he has yeah. in the past. He's yes, like Rob Lowe and St. Elmo's Fire. It's like he's good for <laughs> one party a year. Right. But there's a lot of other parties where like, this is awkward. Right, and then the, yeah, then the saxophone comes out. Did you guys, did you guys like that reference? <laughs> right, yeah, that was good. It's really good. topical, yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, that's why Kevin Love is important yeah. because who else is going to provide that secondary scoring? Kevin Love has... 15 points, he's still the second scorer on the Cavs. And yeah. you saw the difference between tonight and game one, where if he gives them just enough, they have a chance to win. But I think we were he's just all thinking there. that there was going to be these, th- th- like, it was going to be always LeBron, and then on any given night, right. one of Clarkson, Hill, or Hood could pour on 25. And I don't think we've gotten that yet. Well, Hood, maybe we thought that. Clarkson, right. we never. Did anybody really ever Clarkson think that? Clarkson has his crazy heat check nights. He just though. has like the hand movements and, and people think <laughs> he's, he's like, something. Yeah. 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 yeah, he he really knows how to play it up. Jeff Green has not been uh, particularly uh, useful this series. Paolo, though, you have a note about people with the last name Green. Is that right? No. People, okay. with, the last name, <laughs> people with the last name Love. Oh, oh. all right. Uh, Stir from Tai Lu said he's good to go for game three. Good for him. He just had a jam thumb, but he said he didn't go back to him in the game because Lou liked the flow of the team he had on the floor. Sure. Ooh. And they almost blew the lead, so I don't know how I feel about that. That seems like kind of self-dab. I think it is a little <laughs> bit self-dab. Yeah. Like, here's a move I made. I think that's like... <laughs> I think that's like... Pretty good. He was... Pretty good. Kevin Love was hurt, and it was like... You know what? I jam my thumb. If I get hit in the thumb again during this game, it's going to be really bad. And Lou was like, "All right, you sit out." But then after the game, Lou was like, "See that? <laughs> Think about it." Think what I did. Got go all those secret lineups. Um, let's talk a little bit about. I don't want to belabor the Pelicans, but I do want to bring up what has been really like one of my favorite stories of the playoffs. For this, let's set a timer with the Google Assistant. Hey Google, set a timer for two minutes. All right, two minutes, and we are starting now. Coachella boogie. 
There was a rumor that Boogie was not in attendance to one of these Portland games because he was uh, going to see Beyonce or something. Turns Mm -hmm. out that was not the case. It does turn out, however, that Boogie lives in Vegas. (laughs) And I think that's great. I think everybody should live where they want to live. I don't know personally if that's where I would put Boogie. Sure. You know, like that seems like there's plenty of nice places to live in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like it's a little close to the team. I guess the big question we're talking about here, and it's fact or fiction. Fact or fiction, the Pelicans are better with Brow and a bunch of shooters than they are with the Twin Towers. I love this. I love this take. This is the one we've talked about for a couple months here. I mean, I think as we've described in the past, Boogie takes them to another level. Like I think the Pelicans are going to have trouble in the next round where you have a team like the Warriors and the Rockets coming in, and, and they're not at that point yet. But I think if you had more wing help, which is where they're weakest, I yeah. think it made a lot more sense for this team. And so you're in a really big like question going into this summer where you don't have many options because right. of your cap situation. Do you just bring Boogie back because it's the path of least resistance? Or do you maybe play for two years, and maybe two years from now you can get a guy that really augments what AD and Drew do, it, do better? It's a monumental risk either way. Sure. Because yeah. if you're paying him the full max, you've got a guy 280-plus pounds coming back from a torn Achilles, you don't know what type of player he'll be. But if you don't bring him back, you're missing out on a guy who is one of the top big men in basketball who, as you said, Justin, elevates really what they can become because if you get that right, you have two of the game's best big men who can score from inside, outside, who can pass, who can handle the ball. They do it all. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you, if you can bring him back on a one or two year deal, that's the best case scenario. Sure. Then you can test it out, see how he The is, only question is if, him. and we don't have to get too deep in the weeds of like orthopedics. Hey Google, stop timer. But like, <laughs> is that first year of that deal basically a wash because of his rehab? History says yes. The Wesley yeah, Matthews, like, I'm learning how to run again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, History I'm kind of here. Yes. Paolo, yes. I think you have a, a comment for us. Yeah, so uh, on the Periscope, uh, Bill Simmons, I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard of him. Uh, he asked, <laughs> should the Blazers bring Bobby Portis to New Orleans? Oh, oh. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's some of my work. Uh, <laughs> I mean... I think that would be like an interesting move from Olshay. Just have him sit, sure. sit there like sideline. Yeah. Oh, just sitting there. Yeah, just like, oh, I yeah, love yeah, no, that. He's not going to play. I love yeah. that. You think that's why Stauskas is at the, the Sixers yes. games? You well, think the that's Sixers the Sixers have move? Kevin Hart and Allen Iverson and Stauskas. <laughs> and Stauskas. So it's like really the, the Mount Rushmore of Philly is there. <laughs> sure. uh, I, I will, it doesn't get talked about enough. This is kind of dark web. Okay. That uh, this is Bobby <laughs> Portis put... Miritich in the hospital, gravely injured him, yeah. mm-hmm. crushed his face, yeah. and the Bulls' response like as a team, but players, and as a franchise was like, yeah. <laughs> it's really Let's get weird. rid of Miritich. It's the really tough. It's the best really part, <laughs> both were good after that, and they got along, and the Bulls Did they? had won. <laughs> we don't really talk a lot. I'm just saying, like, it's the, we don't talk enough about like what that is about. Sure. Sure. That's never. We have to ask Tommy Alter for the real deal yeah. on that. Kevin, I know that you have a fact or fiction about this Rockets defense. Yeah, I just think Minnesota. We talked about they scored eighty-two and how Cat's struggling, Wiggins is struggling. How about we also give the Houston Rockets defense so some fact credit? or fiction? Defense wins championships, and that's well, why the Rockets will win the championship. Well, the, yeah. the thing is, is, it's more about their offense. <laughs> yeah. They can win yeah. games even when their offense right. is struggling because their defense is so good. They have Clint Capella. One of the best defensive big men in basketball. They have a bunch of switchy, versatile, versatile defenders, even without Luke Bob, Luke Mute. Mm-hmm. Still have PJ Tucker. They have other guys on that roster. Chris Paul, one of the best defensive point guards. 
They're loaded on the defensive end. So I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of minutes per game, but one of the things that was a big talking point, obviously, before any playoffs is how the rotations shrink. Yep. And it does seem like we've seen a lot more P.J. Tucker, and it seems like P.J. Tucker was created mm-hmm. in a lab to play playoff basketball. And that he just seems like perfectly suited to give this Rockets team a little bit of an edge that you don't necessarily associate with a Harden team. I also think their offense is so irritating. <laughs> it must be so no. It must be so irritating to play defense against that oh, offense yeah, yeah. that it throws you out of your offensive flow. Why do you hate math so much? What? Why do you hate math? <laughs> I just like old school basketball, man. Right. I think if you get fouled, you get fouled, but don't go hunting for it. And I also just don't like our dependence on threes. I love a, love post games. Right. No blood, no foul. My, my yeah. dream playoff series would be five Lamarcus Aldridges versus but, five Lamarcus Aldridges. But Houston takes that old school game, man. Like yeah. they, they isolate more than anybody else. Chris, we, did, we did a video about James Harden yeah. and more isolations yeah. than any other team in the league. Chris they, just they has a lot of in one t-shirts in his closet, and he just doesn't want to let them go. Let me ask you guys this. It's another fact or fiction. Uh, we haven't really talked about this team at all, thank God. Uh, you don't need Kyrie when you have Scary Terry, a.k.a. <laughs> Tito Three Sticks. Is Brad Stevens... <laughs> I, I tried that on Haley. I was just like, it's Terry Rozier's nickname is Tito Three Sticks, right? And she just like, as a Louisville grad, just like stared at me. Like, <laughs> I definitely felt like I was just like, you know, Steve Buscemi, like, narc, where I was just like, hello, young teens. <laughs> hello, team. Yeah. Terry um, Three Sticks. No, but in reality, like, can Brad Stevens just create guards out of nothing at this point? Do you, do the, do, or is this just the Bucks suck so much that Terry Rozier looks like an all-star? No, I think I, I, you have to... Brad Stevens is out... The team is outperforming its expected... Uh, point totals on a regular basis over the long term throughout the course of the season with multiple injured players. Terry Rozier shot 26% yeah. his rookie year, yeah. and it's like, to turn him into this, it, with the players that they have on the floor at various times, Shane Larkin, guys you never heard of, It's it, you have to chalk it up to the system. And it's... It, it's like you said, Brad Stevens, he does create these players. He's like mm-hmm. Ford at Westworld. Just creates whatever he needs. <laughs> yes, Kyrie right. Irving goes down. Terry Rozier turns into Kyrie Irving. Right, right. I think it's. I mean, I think that they will probably be stressed to have somebody of Kyrie's. Yeah, skill you want. Level you're going to need the next shit. round Some or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like the Bledsoe Rozier like rivalry has definitely been like a, a, one that I couldn't have called. It's two guys who can't who don't know each other's names. <laughs> right. Bledsoe trying very hard to throw shade when he had nothing else around him. It's like, I don't know the name of this guy that's giving me buckets on a regular <laughs> basis and cooking me. Who's scoring way more than me yeah. and playing better basketball than me in any like facet of the Although game. Although wasn't the the start of it was that uh was that Rogier pretty much accidentally called Bledsoe drew Bledsoe? Was that what is it? Yes. What it was? Right? Yes. That's right. He was That's like, right. <laughs> He's just been listening to too much WEI. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys think? I want to ask one more fact or fiction. Uh, fact or fiction, the Blazers are frauds. It's not even spice. I'm just asking. I think it might be fact. Wow. I, I, you based ahead. your team around Damian Lillard. You pretty oh, much... shit. <laughs> and all of a it's sudden just in time come on Dame time just doesn't exist I'm trying to rack my brain for a time pun I don't have one uh, it's just <laughs> he hasn't shown up in the playoffs Drew Holiday as we mentioned his his defense has been great but if you can't do the one thing that like the team has been built around yeah. I'm sorry but like that's kind of a fraudulent behavior 
He has been, well, yeah, I, I would say there are frauds in that sense. Like, it, this is, it's what we're seeing with this series is basically proof positive that Dame is not, like, the top-level guy that you could probably advance to a finals with. Especially if he's not going to do it on the other end. Yeah, I mean, so that's an issue. Drew Holiday is, is eating his lunch. But my question is, is why were so many people buying Granted, they were the three seeds. Because that's how good the fraud is. But they weren't weren't significantly better than any of the other teams below them. In fact, they probably were a little bit worse. So do you feel like that they were, like, is there some similarities between them and the Sixers where they rattle off a lot of wins Mm. at a time of the year when some teams were taking their foot off the pedal against lesser teams? Because I still want to value the regular season. Like, I want to believe in what I'm seeing to some extent. And I don't like it when everybody's just like, it's the second game of a back-to-back. Or this team was tanking. It's like, just beat NBA teams and I give you respect. I think it's a little bit of the the problem. Why do I sound like I'm 72 (laughs) years old? Why can't you play hard in the regular season, you guys? (laughs) I think it is a little bit of, like, the way we criticize the Raptors in the past. Which is, they have a talented backcourt that can put buckets on inferior opposition and that inflates their win total to to a degree that kind of doesn't accurately uh, correspond with how good they are. Yeah. And then when you meet a team that matches up well, that's the other thing. This is a bad matchup for them. It's a terrible matchup. It's a bad matchup. It's like Bill Simmons has said on his pod before. That's why you're going to watch the game. It's a bad matchup. AD is the best player on the floor. And Rondo and and Drew (laughs) can negate or at least hinder what CJ and, yes. and Dame do. And that's a tough matchup for them, too. So like, that's a bad like matchup. It's a bad matchup. New Orleans was built to make them look like frauds. Yeah. But if we're yeah. other any other matchup, maybe Portland's up 2-0. We're talking yeah. about them. How far can they go in the playoffs? Right. What are they right. going to do? Maybe the Warriors aren't ready for them. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of all, all these teams, I want to talk a little bit about watchability. Because this is also, to some extent, an entertainment. You know? What do you guys think <laughs> has been the most entertaining series so far? Let's do a little Ooh. watchability rankings. I mean, I don't want to keep dipping into the Pelicans Blazers well but that series has been riveting I think that that is far and away what do you think is number two if, if the Pelicans Blazers is easily the, the most entertaining uh, you guys go Sixers Heat with me yeah Philly Miami yeah for sure just because of like the youth on display and we're getting to see these guys in this um, pressure cooker for the first time how they're going to react the fact that Fultz is getting playoff minutes yeah. is like he was just, yeah is not <laughs> yeah. like we cannot talk about enough about how wild that is yeah. Does Philomena the White Widow still have season tickets in Miami? Are we going to get her? Does she remember her? The woman who gave double. Yes, I remember. I do remember. Flips off Joachim Noah. I hope so. I mean, Wade's back. Maybe she can come back. That's too. what I'm saying. Bring all like bring everyone back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the chess the match also has been pretty yes. riveting. Yes. The adjustments that he made on yes. Ben Simmons, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But also elsewhere on the team, just kind of some of the matchups going on there. And I wonder what Brett Brown is going to do to counter that. Is if Joel Embiid isn't going to come back, you still start. Yeah, so Embiid doubtful for three. I, I, I'm really tired of being baby. He sure is. Um, yes, I've heard that. Other, you know, we talked about the Celtics Bucks. I think that's been a really entertaining series. On the on the bottom half of it, I would say that the the two top teams in the West seem to just be trouncing their competition. So they, they they're, they're the ones that I wonder whether or not you're going to start seeing people. Switch off to a rerun of Rosalian Isles when the Spurs. <laughs> Love Rosalian Isles. Yeah. Um, what series is over, Kev? Which series is done? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's probably those two you just alluded to: Houston Dubs, versus Minnesota, yeah. then then Golden State over San Antonio. None of the Eastern Conference playoff series is. You don't feel like anybody's walking away with anything there. You don't no. think Toronto's got it wrapped up? No. I haven't talked about Toronto at all. I mean, 
Toronto, Toronto probably has it wrapped up, but to a lesser extent than the two teams we just mentioned, Golden, uh, Golden State and Houston. But Washington just does not look ready for Toronto. And Toronto has yeah. gotten back to the level that they were in early, early March and February yep. in the prior months. We talked about the chess match between Brett Brown and Eric Spolstra. Scott Brooks's like Trump move was was basically to bring out Ty Lawson from China. Yes, and he yeah. was playing heavy minutes. Yeah. last game, and I'm just watching this like, what is going on right now? Him, Mike Scott, they're basically just trying to pull anything they can out. Nothing of that. says well, things are going extremely well. Like Ty bring Ty Lawson back. Yeah, for um, a playoff run. Speaking of these coaching moves, uh, Bill actually sent in a couple of questions, and I wanted to jump on this one, even though it is not specifically playoff related. What would be the funniest next Knicks coach? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> you said Chris Jason. I, I didn't, can I answer this first? Sure. Joe Michael Pr- Cohen. Joe Prunty. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Michael Cohen? I said Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the story that came out today with Kenny the Jet Smith potentially getting a look was pretty good. Because not only is that, like, the idea New itself York, ludicrous. Uh, New York high school legend. <laughs> sure, there are a bunch, too. You might as well get Stefan Marbury. Archbishop Malloy, I believe. It, maybe, okay. maybe that's a real reason Kawhi Leonard's in New York. Because he's, he's going to be the coach. I mean, the market, it's, I think it's going to be Jerry Sackhouse. That's me hoping, I guess. Just because it's, it'd be nice to see someone new who's put their dues in on a, on that, a night-to-night that, basis for a while, get a, get a shot. Uh, Mark Jackson, the, the, you know, the team went to the finals and won it right after he was fired. That's tough. Uh, <laughs> and everybody else is, you know, not a non-factor. Vogel is... It's just a retread, yeah. It's just retreads. Well, I'd like to see them... It'd be cool to see them... Uh, Pick someone out of pocket. Like really look like look at college, look at the G yeah. League, look at some of these younger guys. So you'd be younger about like Jay Wright. How about Kenny? Yeah, something like how that. About like Kenny, Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith, uh, we know nothing about his coaching <laughs> acumen. He's super good with the iPad and TNT. Yeah. He's just like I, I don't wanna I don't wanna cast aspersions or, or make any kind of comment on his coaching he, acumen because literally he, he, he there's could be none. Great. He it, could be great as we, far we, as anyone knows. We've seen former NBA players go to broadcasting and then become I, great general managers. Steve Kerr, is what I you're think saying. The, the, yeah. thing that troubles me, the thing that troubles me about the search in general is that it is sort of the old kind of Knicks thing of, here's a bunch of names that you recognize. Yes. Like, yeah. where Woodson, is the left field yeah, guy? Right. Where is the college guy? Where is the uh, right. well-regarded assistant on a team that I've never heard of? Like, uh, you don't see... It, I get Stackhouse is that guy. Yeah. But you, the rest of them are... A retreads. It is really interesting because we could have quite a few coaching openings. We not even talking about some of these playoff teams that might be looking for new coaches after one round, and yet the names. I mean, whoever's agents, you know, is whoever's David Fisdale's agent, whoever Steve Clifford's agent, whoever Stackhouse's agent, doing great jobs because those like there's four or five Mm -hmm. guys who are being associated with every single opening. Yeah, and it just seems like there's a real lack of imagination. The one person who's sort of like the most, it's like the most. Kind of uh, it, it, like the, the most like imaginative one is Buttonholzer because he's actually already got a job in Atlanta. Right. Sure. Even though he just oversaw the worst team in the league, yeah. he did have a sixty-win team, and um, you know he's up for the Phoenix job. But there's also talk of him going to, to Milwaukee. That would be that'd be interesting. That would be really interesting. I mean, Fisdale is a guy. I know that he already had his one shot, but he didn't really disprove any of the forward momentum he had going into that. That was job. a. T- I think that he was in a tough spot. Too, Very with tough like spot. An entrenched culture that like 
Yeah, but he's and he still was able to modernize that offense to yeah. a certain extent until he ran into Marcus All and whatever happened right. there. I think the Coach Bud stuff is really interesting because because that, that was brewing in January. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were there were you know breadcrumbs that he might want to push his way out or there, there's a chance to get him out of Atlanta. And so he's a great coach, really good yeah. technician te- uh, tactician on the floor. So if you're Phoenix or any of these other teams, whether it's New York or Milwaukee, why are you not giving Atlanta a call to get an, to get him? Maybe you do. Maybe you are willing to give something up to get yeah. him. Even if you're a team that has a plethora of assets that you're able to, to that you're able to give up, I think he'd be terrific in Phoenix. My Would favorite you, thing about Mike Budenholzer is he always looks like he just ate a hot pepper. One of the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Do you guys see the rumor recently where it was like it was a, there was an article about tanking? I, I for some reason I can't remember where it was, but it was basically like an they they an owner chewed out. A, a coach for winning in LA. And there was only in two teams in March, and it could have only been two yeah. teams, and it was pretty obviously like the Hawks, I guess. Mm. I think it was Atlanta or Memphis. I yeah, and one of those two. Like, so if you were Bud, would you want to coach the Bucks and, and get Giannis, or would you want to coach Phoenix? I'd, I know this is going to sound insane, but I'd rather probably coach Phoenix because I think they have more flexibility moving forward. Right. And Oof. they have a top pick this year, whereas Milwaukee, yes, they have Giannis. But what else do they have? They have what two knee surgeries in Jabari Parker. And, right. and who knows what they're going to do with him. There's just He'll not, be gone. There's not a lot that Milwaukee can do, whereas Phoenix, really, they, they have limitless possibilities. But, limitless! It's the truth. <laughs> Milwaukee has not had... Like, the one thing that mystifies me is like, I understand that the kid situation must have been bad. Actually, Paolo, do you have a, qu- a question about Jason Kidd or a there comment? W- there was a Knicks comment. It was more comment than a question from Facebook, Levi Massey. He said the Knicksiest thing to do would be to hire Jason Kidd. Mm, that is true. I mean, he was pretty good as a point guard for the Knicks. But he my was point really basically good. was just that like, you saw Bud turn Horford, Corver, and, and Jeff Teague into all-stars and a 60-win Atlanta team. Granted, LeBron yeah. rocked their world. But... What could he do with Giannis and Bledsoe or, or who, and Middleton? Who, who, we, we, everybody seems to think that Milwaukee's going to magically fix their team by hiring a good coach. I don't. I think they're, it's the roster that also needs change. Yeah, but like, okay, what, but Kevin, don't you think that like the non the Ky, like the Kyrie and Hayward free Celtics are a perfect example of what a well coached team can can accomplish? Sure, but there's also a lot of good players on the Celtics. Well, but Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of good players. Boston has a wealth of them. Right. I think if roster. there's if there's a sliver of hope with the Bucks in terms of their roster, it's that. Uh, it's that playoff game against the Raptors last season where right. they basically stoned them defensively for like a half just using that crazy length that they have on the team. Now, if somebody could figure out how to unlock that in a way that makes sense to overcome the fact that they're light on shooting mm-hmm. and all those other things, maybe that's an interesting team. Figure uh, out where Thon Maker is? Yeah. Just don't know I, where that guy is. I think is. he's I just, on the bench like behind the bench. I just don't know what it is. No, I know what you're saying, they, but I just think a guy... A, a coach waits an entire career to coach somebody like Giannis. For yeah, sure. Well, so why not take that opportunity when it comes along? I think there is some potential on that roster, but it also, if you look at it, the pressure situation is also completely opposite. Mm. Whereas with the Bucks, you're basically being hired to figure that team out and take them to the next level before Giannis hits free agency. Whereas with the Suns, you basically are starting from scratch to a certain degree. You yeah. have a bit of leeway and runway to play with in order to take that team to I, like the playoffs. I agree with you, but we do not have any evidence over the last five or six years that the Suns are any more stable 
or less of a pressure cooker than working in Milwaukee is. Sure. And like they've been trying to reboot that team for years now. And I like Booker, but like I just don't see it. I, I would much rather go to Milwaukee, but I take your point. Um, what do you guys think? Is, who do you guys think so far would be the playoff MVP for you? Let's just get back to the playoffs a little bit. Hmm. I mean, maybe LeBron is considering what he's done. Now, if we're going strictly by record, obviously you would favor someone more like Drew Holiday. Considering the two-way impact he's had, yeah. we talked about him a lot. But what LeBron is doing with, as we mentioned, just like the, just like a high school roster has just been amazing. And I know it's like not interesting to say that LeBron is the best player, but I mean he's had the best postseason statistically, probably so far. Al Horford, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. His screening passing, I'm kidding. Um, Look at that screen! Oh my god! <laughs> it's definitely Drew Holiday, right? Drew now. Holiday. Yeah. I'm gonna go Il- Ilyasova. <laughs> what? Marco How about Marco? Uh, I almost believed you. Yeah, I, think how I, I think it's technically LeBron, but I also go Drew Holiday. Just because of the... He's been so underrated for so long, and it's like people are just discovering now that, oh, this guy Drew Holiday that was that I have never really seen play, was on middling Sixers teams, was injured for basically two entire seasons, um, is good. He's really good. I like. I, I think it's Braun, but I actually think that he's so good right now that it's bad for the Cavs because. Right. I, Whoa! Some, look at this that is team. A high, no, no, no. Look at that team. Spice. He knows that Spice. he has still yeah. got a full tank. He's playing yeah. forty minutes after playing almost. He played every game this season, yeah. didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like sky high minutes. He's like, look at what I'm capable of. Yeah. And I got these yahoos that I'm playing with. <laughs> like I should be like cruising into the finals because of like where I am in my career. I don't think it bodes well. I didn't think that the win tonight that he looked particularly like we got the we got this. I did yeah. it. We did it. Like it seems like I almost feel like he's so good he's like I'm leaving this it, team behind. It, it's cuz it wasn't we did it. It was I did it. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he scored the first 16 really points of the night. Himself. Yeah. Paul, I mean, you got any social or questions or comments you want to share with well, us? Well, I think to the conversation of playoff MVP, uh, you know, what about Terry Rozier? Somebody put, what is his, what is his possible trade sorry, value you mean now? AKA Tito Three Sticks. Tito, <laughs> Tito Three Sticks. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> this is not Haley's burner account, but what is Rozier's trade value now? Is the question. So is he a free agent? Pretty damn good. No, next summer. He'll be a restricted free agent um, in 2019. I just, I mean, personally see, would never let's... answer the phone if Danny Ainge called <laughs> again, ever again. <laughs> what if you're the Spurs and Kawhi's like, hey, no way, man. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Celtics, do you want Kawhi? To Rozier for Kawhi, who says no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, what are we giving a lot more than that? What do we think uh, Terry's career is? Is he ever going to be a star in this league? Is he just a high-level uh, backup? I was talking with Jonathan Charks the other yeah. day. How about like a Patrick Beverly tight? Not exactly him, but gritty defender. He plays hard, hits some big shots where you're like, no, 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 no. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's never he's more than a, he's, a, he's yeah. never more than a top-level backup. Terry, to become more than that, I think he needs to improve his at-room finishing, which is a problem in college, still a problem now, and he still needs to improve his shooting consistency, which has gotten better, but still has a ways to go. Uh, Terry Flip Murray. Like, we're going to talk about him for like 10 years. Flip Murray, 20 points. He's going to be like, oh yeah, that dude. It's like Jody Meeks Jr. Um, Flip sanity. Let's talk really briefly. Uh, This is uh, the group chat pod. We'll be going up on Wednesday night, so Thursday morning you should be listening to this. Let's just talk a little bit quickly about the Thursday night games. Uh, Sixers Heat Game 3 in Miami. Right now, Embiid is doubtful. I think everybody thought after that tweet, after that Instagram story, that he was going to be playing. He's tired of being babied. Right. But Do you think that's, like, that enters into the Sixers calculus? I just saw an Instagram story from Joel. <laughs> we need to put him in. <laughs> I, it's complicated. Yeah. Man, I think that 
I think that I'm, I'm I don't I don't understand where the medical staff ends and the coaching staff begins and the players' interests. And this is a conversation about Kawhi as well. Yeah. But like the fact that Embiid clearly thinks he should be on the floor, and I personally with, with facial injuries, injury, injuries and concussions, I don't necessarily know what the four days matters. Like, yeah. is his face gonna so, like be that much more healed? Over the weekend than it was on. It's going to be on Thursday. I, I mean, I'm not looking to you like you're a doctor. I'm just going to sound like you're looking really This is obviously like if Embiid thinks one thing, and I don't think Brett Brown was like, yeah, he's a week away. Like he's. Right. I, I think that there was like the vibe was that he was going to play in Miami, and now it seems like yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shasta Brown for handling that really well. He he's got done, he's done that, it the entire time he's been there. He got yeah. peppered with that he's question great. immediately when he was at the press conference. Probably didn't even see the Instagram before he went up there, and was basically like, "I love the fire. Yeah, I, that guy yeah. just wants to be back on the court. Wouldn't you want to be that?" And then, like, he's done a good job managing the whole PR perspective. Of this whole thing. Look what he's done with Fultz. So Jason, let me ask you, was that the best Miami can possibly play? And there's there's gonna they're gonna come down a little couple of miles per hour? Or is that like the key that they just have to have so much aggression? I think that, that, get that I, notorious I Miami be- home crowd going. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that that's the best they could play, but I would say that the um the way they tweak the defense to take into account Ben's lack of shooting, like there was always three players between him and the paint and any kind of pass. Like, it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just Justice Winslow. It was like a scheme. Um, that is very interesting, and I, I'm interested to see if, if, if Brett Brown has anything for that. It's really the story of the series. Yeah. Man, game one, Miami sags off like they did all season. Ben Simmons dominates. Game two, they pressure him. Yep. Simmons still had a terrific game. But their offense was quite a little, quite a bit more stagnant. I believe JJ Redick said it was choppy, yeah. and it certainly was. I think the the guys from Rights to Ricky Sanchez were talking about this after Game Two, and I was I was I'm kind of fascinated with how this is going to be managed. Do you play TJ in the Fultz minutes to be the ball handler and basically punt on Fultz's like development in this series? Oh, like yeah. is Fultz on the line of a guy who can be benched? Is like you can't play him in this in this environment? One hundred percent because he missed that one shot and yeah. then he didn't play the second half. Whereas TJ at least is like gonna kind of match the comp- the competitive fire of like a James Johnson and a Justice Winslow in ninety feet, you know. He's a steady hand. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like with Fultz, he's a curveball. I think you throw out there when you need a little shot in the arm. Yeah. Whereas, but when you throw him out there, I don't know what you're gonna get out of him. As yeah. you mentioned, I think what he he missed three shots the last mm-hmm. time he was out there, and like yes, athletically he can hang. But then maybe the shots don't go in. Maybe things start to snowball from there. I think yes. he's just too much of an unknown variable I, to really I, ride I, with. I think you go with the same exact formula you did in a game two. Put Fultz out there in the first half. See what happens. Because like Brett Brown said, the risk-reward, you'll lean towards the risk. I'm, I'm sorry, you'll lean towards the reward. Let me so ask you really quickly then, just to wrap things up. Pelicans, uh, do you think that there is a trap game here where they're riding a little too high? Portland can come back and steal sure. one? Get yeah, back totally. in this? If they steal one on the road, head back a home game on game five, this could easily become a series. Yeah, I mean, Harkless is back in there, and I know it sounds weird to say that Mo Harkless is like the X Factor. Yeah. What about Blazers? Mo Harkless, though? Yeah, what about Mo, <laughs> though? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if they had Will Barton, this would be completely different. But, I mean, Mo gives them something on the wing that they weren't getting from Turner, and the Pelicans have been going with this three-guard lineup the entire season, and so if you're going to hurt them, I feel like on the wing is kind of where it might help. So we're going to wrap things up there. Uh, if you guys like the Blog Boys t-shirt, the Blog Boy t-shirt, you may have seen Steph Curry rocking it over the weekend. It's ringer.com slash shop. You can cop the Blog Boy t-shirt. You can pass the eye test with it. Um, we also 
Make sure you're checking out the Ringer NBA show. Heat Check goes up on Sunday nights. Kev and Verno on Tuesdays. Draft class is Friday. Yes. Sources say every other Wednesday. Group chat every Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. Shout out to Keith back there. Everybody wants to know what's up with Keith. Keith, Keith. say hi. Keith's mining uh, Bitcoin right now. <laughs> Let Justin, him Jason, Kevin, Paolo, me, Chris, and everybody backstage, all the crew. We'll see you guys soon. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.